Welcome to God Knows Where. I'm Brett Harris. Today, we've got a look at the story that surrounds perhaps the most well-known single sentence in all of our scriptures, John 3.16. It's a story full of light that is shrouded in darkness. I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget, tomorrow is the day to start wearing your voting pants to vote for God Knows Where. We've been nominated as one of the top five podcasts in the Pine Belt. And for the next few weeks, we'll have the chance to vote each day, once a day, to see if this whole conversation that we started here, if we can win a fun little competition. So thanks for nominating us. Thank you in advance for voting. I've shared a link where you can vote beginning Wednesday, July 5th in the show notes. And while you're at it, while you're looking for things to do on the internet, go over to Good Faith Media's weekly podcast, Good Faith Weekly, and give a listen to their interview recently with June Joplin, Jake Hall, and Elizabeth Lott about their latest release, True Colors, Stories of Baptist Inclusion. There are some eye-opening stories there. There's some beautiful stories, some heart-wrenching stories. It's well worth a listen for sure. Thank you all for your support. Thank you for voting, for listening, for helping others find the show by sharing it with them or reviewing it wherever you listen or giving it a rating wherever you listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you all have a great day today and I hope that you enjoy today's episode, Light in the Darkness. A reading from John 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Our house is dark, like dark dark. Like that episode of Game of Thrones where everyone got upset that it was so dark. It's like that dark. There are nights when I wake up and I can see absolutely nothing. My eyes adjust after a minute and I still can't see anything. I mean, we're talking dark 
out here in the woods where we live. I have to walk like a zombie on The Walking Dead or The Last of Us just to get to the bathroom, and it's a straight shot from my bed, maybe 10, 12 steps. And when I forget, which I do multiple nights a week, I bang into a wall or I stub my toe or I walk face first into a doorframe. You'd think that I'd learn to turn on a light, but I live with three light ninjas who, at the slightest hint of light, are wide awake and unable to go back to sleep. We have sleep masks in all shapes and weights and sizes for all occasions. I have to tiptoe through my own home like a robber if I happen to wake up earlier than everyone and want a little time to myself. And truthfully, I actually kind of like the darkness, though. It's not scary, and it makes the starry nights brighter, not having a lot of lights around, and it's oddly comforting how the darkness makes the light beyond our world so much brighter. I just really need to learn to walk around in the dark better. We can do no better in summing up what we believe about God and God's work through Jesus' life than these two verses, John 3, verses 16 and 17. They are utterly captivating and compelling. And because of how brightly they shine in our minds and our memories, we forget that this whole story takes place in the dark. These words that have lit up our lives were first spoken in darkness, in secrecy, in fear. Nicodemus, who we heard about, came to speak to Jesus under the cover of night. He came at night because, as a member of the Sanhedrin and one who held some belief in the power and presence of Jesus, it would have been political suicide to be seen speaking with Jesus in the light of day. So he waits for the darkness. He ventures into the darkness. And it's in the darkness that he finds a great light. For whatever reasons, we don't always do that, though, do we? We don't go into the darkness looking for light. We don't like to venture into the darkness. When we do venture there, when we do venture where we can't see, we take a flashlight with us so we don't have to deal with the darkness. Or better yet, we just avoid it altogether. We ignore it. We try to keep darkness away from us. We keep things lit up all around us so that there is No darkness in our lives. We light up our streets and our billboards and our homes with an incredible wattage. And we create light at such a rate that we block out the darkness. 99% of Americans can't see the true night sky because of light pollution. We waste $3 billion worth of energy every year by lighting up the darkness unnecessarily or poorly. That's 10 bucks a person. You'd be pretty mad at me if I walked by and swiped 10 bucks out of your wallet right now, but we don't even think about it when it comes to avoiding darkness. We like light that much. And we just don't do this with electrical light. We do it with spiritual light, too. We don't like to go into the darkness to find God's light. We don't think that's where we would find it. We generally look for God's light in the well-lit areas of our life. We look for God's light where we can see where it's safe, where we feel comfortable. Barbara Brown Taylor calls this full solar spirituality. She notes that it's not hard or harmful, it's impossible. Unfettered light doesn't bring more life into our lives. It stunts our growth. When we look 
to be enlightened only by others who are like us, who think like us, who believe what we believe. We don't learn anything new from them. We just confirm what we already thought. And we think twice about the people we know who say they've learned things from other folks who aren't enlightened in the ways we are, or the ways that they've been enlightened by those who are different, who think differently, who believe differently. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that this is true. I mean, when was the last time any of us, any of us, sat down with someone who thought differently than we do and walked away having learned something or looking at something in a new way. I mean, it's been a really long time for me. But that's exactly what is happening here in John. Nicodemus lives and works and leads in a world where Jesus cannot possibly be who we know him to be. No one with his pedigree or his lack of education could be the Messiah. These men see the world differently. But Nicodemus is compelled to come to Jesus, albeit in the dark. Jesus could have said the same things to Nicodemus at high noon that he says under the cover of darkness to him, and Nicodemus could not have heard it or received it or even perceived it how incredibly bright and captivating and compelling it was because there would have been too much other light competing with it. If he'd heard these words and felt the warmth and seen the light in Jesus on a bright and sunny day in the middle of the day, it's doubtful he would have ended up where he does after Jesus' death. Because Nicodemus is one of the two people who cares for Jesus' body after his death, anointing it with oils and preparing it for the grave. Of all the people one might imagine being present to bury Jesus. After reading John 3, I doubt many of us would lay money down on Nicodemus. I mean, what a long way to go from being afraid to be seen with Jesus in the light of day to giving him a proper burial at his death. Light can't be light without the darkness. Light needs darkness to shine as brightly as it can. Without darkness, it isn't even light. It's blindness. We can't see light in the light. We can't see what the big deal is. But in the dark, light makes all the difference. I want to be clear about what I'm saying. though. Nicodemus didn't go seeking the darkness. He went seeking the light. But he wasn't afraid of venturing into and through the darkness in front of him in order to find it. He had every reason to be afraid of what might happen in the darkness, but he wasn't. I mean, we have every reason too. But when we find the courage, like Nicodemus, to explore or embrace the darkness in front of us, we find the light we need to help us make our way forward. When we're grieving, avoiding the darkness of our grief by filling our lives with distractions, that only makes the pain worse. It doesn't allow us to grieve. It doesn't allow us to heal. It keeps us wounded. When we're afraid of what is in front of us, the daunting tasks or the decisions standing in front of us, it's easy to turn to whatever light we can find, especially, especially the blue glow of our phones full of more and more distractions instead of searching for the light we need. When life is hard and all we want to do is hide, we have to remember that God isn't absent in the darkness. God is present everywhere. 
all of the time. Jesus was in the same darkness as Nicodemus. We have to remember that God shows up in the midst of our darkness all the time. Our scriptures tell us that God showed up in the darkness to create the world. On a starry night, God showed up to show Abraham his inheritance. God showed up in the darkness to speak to Joseph in his dreams, wrestled with Jacob by a river in the darkness and called Samuel to lead his people in the darkness. And God came to a young woman to tell her she would give birth to the Messiah in the darkness. And God was born as one of us in the darkness of night to that young woman under the cover of a stable. Nicodemus could only come to see Jesus for who he was if he did it in the middle of the night. Jesus could only find the courage to conquer death alone in the garden while his friends slept. Easter Sunday can only be the bright, joyful, energetic day that it is if we walk with Jesus through the darkness of Lent. The light of the world can only light up our lives if we meet him, if we seek him out in the darkness. A few weeks ago, in the darkness of our living room, we watched Matilda, the musical version. I think it's on Netflix. It's great. And there's this great song in it that the kids sing, When I Grow Up. They sing about all of the things they'll do when they're adults, like eat all the candy that they want and and watch way too much TV, as much as they can stand. And in one verse, they say, When I grow up, I'll be brave enough to fight the monsters that you have to fight beneath the bed each night to be a grown-up. I mean, monsters notwithstanding, there's nothing we can do to avoid the darkness that will come into our lives, that probably has come into our lives. We can't escape grief or loss or pain. We can't escape mistakes or failures or trials. And trying to avoid them only brings other troubles our way. All we can do is remember that God is there too, that we aren't alone, and to find the courage to walk through them, maybe even into them, even if we have to walk like zombies or tiptoe like ninjas along the way to get there. We know John 3.16, but we can never forget John 1, the first chapter of the Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. May it be so. God Knows Where is written, produced, and edited by me, Brett Harris, with music by Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest, and unwavering support from my wife Elizabeth. If you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to share God Knows Where with your friends and family and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. It'll mean the world to me and it'll help more people find 
God knows where. Thanks in advance for your help and for being here and for listening. Until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, and your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.